This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, January 22nd, 2017. New beginnings, character, not comfort. Well, good morning again, Connection Church. I'm still Carrie Jones. And I'm still Alan Jones. We are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? Almighty God, we come before you today and we thank you for the opportunity to worship, to be together, to connect with you and with one another. Lord, we also pray for our country, the huge transition that's taking place. God would ask for wisdom and um, just unity. Lord, no matter where we are on the spectrum, help us be um, people who um, are positive and try to make a difference in love. So, Lord, now settle us in, help us remove any distractions, and have a laser focus on you and what you have in store for each one of us. I pray this in the name of the Father, Jesus Christ, his one and only Son, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So today, we begin week four in our journey, Year Through the Bible reading plan. We started this, um, well, four weeks ago. I don't know how you're doing with it. We hope everybody is, is reading the Bible. I think it's a little challenging with our schedules to do, um, being real about that. But here's one way that it's working for me. I'm, an, I'm a visual learner and a visual reader, but um, what I'm having to do right now is listen to it audio. So when I'm driving here and there, whenever I have even five minutes, I can listen to a chapter in Genesis or a chapter in Luke, and, and now we're heading into Exodus, and learn more and more. So just give it a try. Don't get overwhelmed. We are saying this to encourage you not to discourage you. If, you're, if you haven't started, just pick up today. Start today. There's a plan uh, back at guest services. If it seems like it's a little too big, just read the New Testament. Read a chapter a day. The point isn't a checklist, but the point is to read the Bible. And so we're excited about uh, what's happening in our church as we delve into the Word of God together. So when we finished last week, Joseph had just relocated his family to Egypt, and he assured his brothers that what they had done uh, trying to harm him, selling their brother Joseph into slavery, God intended for good, allowing Joseph to help not only his brothers, but, uh, but uh, many, many people during a great famine in that area. Later, at the end of the book of Genesis, Joseph tells his brothers that he's about to die and that God will surely come to their aid and, and take them up out of the land of Egypt and take them back to the last land promised to their ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Little did Joseph realize it would be 400 years before that promise would be realized. And so the next book, which is Exodus, 
begins by giving us the names of Joseph's brothers, the family members who are relocating to Egypt. And it's like, oh my goodness, we've heard generation after generation in Genesis. Well, we get it again in Exodus, but it's important because it helps us locate, you know, who they are in history and it points us ultimately to Christ. So it's a great, great, um, the genealogy is really important. We're told, though, that Joseph and his brothers and all of that generation died. And in the meantime, during the time that they were alive, they were fruitful and they multiplied greatly, so much so that the land was filled with the Hebrews. Land was filled with the Hebrews. Let's read what it has to say here. In uh, Exodus 1, 8 through 10, New International Version, then a new king to whom Joseph meant nothing came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to the people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. So the Egyptians enslaved the Israelites, but the more the Israelites were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. All right, so the more stress they had, the more they multiplied. They didn't have TV. <laughs> Enough do? said there. So for 400 years, the Egyptians made the lives of the Israelites miserable, and they worked them ruthlessly. And there came a point where the Egyptians were so fearful of the number of Hebrews. When I say Hebrews, I mean Israelites. When I say Israelites, I mean Hebrews, okay? So they're, they're interchangeable. They were so fearful that there were so many of them because they had multiplied so much that the king told the Hebrew midwives that they should kill any baby boy born of a Hebrew woman. But because the midwives feared God, they refused to obey the king's orders. They allowed the boys to live too. And one of those boys that was born during this time, his name was Moses. And Moses was chosen by God to liberate God's people. Mm. Now the name of this book that we said is Exodus. Exodus means a, a mass departure of people, especially emigrants. That's E-M-I, not immigrants, emigrants. I mean going out. From chapter 2 to chapter 12 of Exodus, we're told the story of how the Israelites, the Hebrews, groaned in their slavery and cried for help to the Lord. And God heard their cry and, and brought about their deliverance from bondage. It's the story of how God called Moses to lead this Exodus and then empowered and equipped him to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, and how these Hebrew people, through the power and direction of God, were finally given their freedom. We strongly encourage you to carefully read this section of Scripture this week, as it is crucial to understanding the future of the Hebrew people and their relationship with God. So from Exodus 1 to Exodus 12, we read about the oppression of the Israelites. In Exodus 13, Pharaoh makes this decision, and the Hebrew people are free. Now, there are two verses in this chapter 13 that are really important to kind of lean into. They set the tone of the Hebrew people 
on their way to the promised land. Two verses that give us insight into how God cares not only for the Hebrew people, but cares for you, cares for us. Two verses that we see what really matters to God. Here we go. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. So God didn't allow the Hebrew people to take the shortcut, to take the easy route. And the reason for that is because it wasn't time that God was concerned with, nor was he concerned with their pleasure. He was going, getting them ready for what was to come, getting them ready for the challenges ahead, getting them ready for battle, Scripture tells us. Because God knew what was coming, and, and he knew what they needed to be prepared for. God knew that the road to the promised land was not going to be an easy road. And so God was preparing his God for what they were going to face. He was preparing them for life. Not the life of an enslaved people, but the life of a people who are free. Free not only to make choices, but also free to be attacked by those around them. God was preparing them for the wars they would encounter, preparing the battles they would encounter, for, preparing them to strongly face those battles of the future, rather than allowing them to weakly return to the bondage of the past. So let's talk about shortcuts for a moment. It's our human nature to take them. I mean, why not? Makes all the sense in the world. Not. It really doesn't when we take a look at that. We were talking to somebody last night about shortcuts, and, and he said, no, really, it's a long cut. It's much longer when we take shortcuts at times. Because when we shortcut the journey, we miss out on some valuable, valuable learning. Here's, here's a couple examples. So if we're in school, and we are preparing for a test or writing a paper, and we take some shortcuts, we might not do as well. Or if we do pull it off, we still might not have the information that's important, or we kind of lack integrity if we don't really do what we're supposed to do. Another example, the praise team. So the praise team gets together every Thursday night and practices for a couple hours, and before they even get here Thursday night, they practice so that they're prepared. We can't take shortcuts, because when we do, it doesn't glorify God. One of our core values is excellence. It doesn't mean perfection, but that means giving God our best. It would be really uh, a distraction if we just picked up our instruments or picked up the microphone and just walked up here without any practice, it would be tough to kind of connect with God and to worship. So it's important to not take shortcuts when we're involved in something. One more example, shortcuts in relationships. When I take a shortcut in this relationship, 
It can suffer. Can I hear an amen? amen. When we take shortcuts, it can suffer. It really suffers. It does. So, but it's just not our human relationships. It's our God relationship. When we take a shortcut in connecting with God and not spending time reading the Bible, not being in fellowship when, when we go AWOL in church, it makes us feel like God's not listening. We're, you know, God's distant. We feel far. We feel disconnected. And it's not that at all. It's that we took a shortcut. And so the discipline is so, so important. It builds integrity. Beware of shortcuts. Yeah, so God didn't allow him the shortcuts. He made it challenging. But don't you sometimes wonder why life has to be so challenging? Why life has to be so difficult at times? If you ever wonder why God can't just take away some of those challenges, I mean, not all of them, just the really hard ones. Why don't he make it easier? I'm sure the Hebrew people wondered the same thing. Of course, having never been out of Egypt, they didn't realize that what a shortcut or long cut was. They didn't know the territory. They didn't have a map. They didn't have a GPS. But they did know when things were tough, when they were challenging, when they were difficult. And they often wish things were easier, just like you and me, when we would face some of those life challenges that just seem a little bit more than we think we can handle. So when it all comes down, it all comes down to what God thinks is important, to what God knows we need, to what God thinks that, um, what God thinks is best for us. There's a, a pastor's name's Rick Warren. Some of you may have heard of him. He wrote the the Purpose Driven Life, and he was interviewed a few years ago. And we want to share some excerpts of his interview. Hmm. He said this, he said, people ask me, what is the purpose of life? And I respond, in a nutshell, life is preparation for eternity. We were not made to last forever, and God wants us to be with him in heaven. When, one day my heart is going to stop, and that will be the end of my body, but not the end of me. I may live 60 to 100 years on earth, but I am going to spend, say that word with me, trillions. trillions. Say it one more time, trillions. trillions. That's a lot of zeros, isn't it? Yeah trillions of years in eternity. So this is the warm-up act, the dress rehearsal. God wants us to practice on earth what we will do forever in eternity. We were made by God and for God, and until you figure that out, it isn't going to make sense. Life is a series of problems. <laughs> Either you are in one now, you're just coming out of one, or you're getting ready to go into another one. Anybody relate to that? Amen. Yeah. The reason for this is that God is more interested in your character than your comfort. God is more interested in making your life holy than he is in making your life happy. We can re be reasonably happy here on earth, but that's not the goal in life. The goal is to grow in character, in Christ-likeness. This past year has been the greatest year of my life but also the toughest with my wife, Kay, getting cancer. You can focus on your purposes or you can focus on your problems. If you focus on your problems, you're going into self-centeredness, which is my problem, my issues, my pain. 
But one of the easiest ways to get rid of pain is to get your focus off yourself and onto God and others. This is really um, kind of a powerful excerpt from Rick Warren. God is more interested in your character than your comfort. That is a real toe-stepper. God is more interested in our holiness, living a holy life, than a happy life. Wow. Ouch. Character, not comfort. That's why God allows, and I'm going to say allow, not cause, but allow us to go through some challenges that we all face in life. No one is exempt. And when we are faced with a challenge, we really have two choices. To embrace, to lean into God, to, to connect or stay connected, or to turn from, to leave. And people do both. And I've had a tendency to uh, be tempted to do the other at times, not recently, but in my earlier life. You know, when we talk, when we walk toward God in the midst of challenge, God will teach us. God teaches us in our challenges something so valuable that we can't get if we're not in the challenge. It is character building. It gives, it makes us stronger. It gives us testimony. Character building teaches us integrity. That's an important word, integrity. It also teaches us moral excellence. Character, how do we define that? Who you are when no one's looking? It's easy to be kind of have high character when people are looking, but who are you when no one's looking? Do you continue to have integrity, moral excellence? Character's a funny thing. I mean, it's not something that you can hold. It's not tangible. But you know it when you see it. And you know it when you don't see it. Mm. And so character is, uh, we are built, our character is built with the challenges. Only when we surrender, we become dependent on God through the challenges. And we seek God's direction God's strength and God's answers mm. through those challenges. So I often wonder why uh, God waited until I was like 41 to call me into full-time ministry. I mean, come on now, if I'd started in my 20s, just think of all the wonderful things I could have done. Eh? That's probably the reason he didn't call me back when I was in my 20s, because of an attitude like that. Because it would have been not what I'd done, but what we had done. See, back in my 20s, I wasn't ready to go into ministry. God still had a lot of work to do on me. He had a lot of character building. I, I knew a lot, probably most of the Bible stories from when I was a kid. I'd always been in church. But even though I'd been in church all my life, I still wasn't ready back then to do what I'm doing now. God needed to, to give me some seasoning, some real-world experience. He needed to, on one hand, toughen me up, but also soften me up. And uh, he needed to develop my character a whole lot more than it was developed at that point in time. I need to get closer to God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That wasn't going to happen without some challenges that required me to lean in, to lean on God. I, I had to experience some loss to better prepare me for what I do now, loss of two babies in the womb. 
loss of both of my parents, <laughs> the loss of some income, <laughs> that prepped me, and, uh, and, and the loss of a career that I was kind of banking on, literally, <laughs> that I had my hopes and dreams pegged to, you know. I had to let go of those hopes and dreams in order to grasp onto the hopes and dreams that God had in store for me. And, and that's because God was more interested in my character than in my comfort, more interested in his hopes and dreams for me than mine, more interested in my holiness than my happiness. And I couldn't do any of that letting go on my own. It was necessary to do it with God, with God's help, to lean on him. And I had to surrender my will, my life, and my dreams and embrace those that God had for me. Ironically, ironically, I was never happier than when I did surrender to God's purpose in my life. Happiness is a feeling. Joy is what we experience when we surrender. And that was joy. That was joy. You know, we've wondered why it's, it's taken so long for us, for Connection Community Church, to uh, have a permanent home. We, we rent this place. We've been renting it for 15-plus years. That's a lot of money to rent. And we've been wondering, like, wow, we, I mean, we bought land 10 years ago, and what's going on? But God has been building our character as a church, and has been showing us some things and unfolding God's plan for us as a community of faith. And we're excited, and we are obedient, and we're looking forward to the next steps and the next direction that God has given, and we can't wait to share that with you at our town hall meeting next Monday night. We hope that there's standing room only here because there's some important things for us to share. Next chapter of Exodus, chapter 14, <laughs> Pharaoh changes his mind. He sees all these, uh, this free labor going out the door. He changes his mind about the emancipation of the Hebrew slaves, and he pursues them with his army on over 600 chariots. Wow, that must have been a scene. And the Hebrew people who had just <laughs> briefly had their freedom are terrified because they see Pharaoh's army coming from behind, and in front of them is the great body of water known as the Red Sea. 600 chariots behind, big body of water ahead. They see no escape. They see no escape. Can't go that way, can't go that way. No escape. And they question, Lord, why did you bring us out to the desert to die? Weren't there enough graves? <laughs> back in Egypt for us? <laughs> so much for comfort. <laughs> so much for happiness. <laughs> Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Say the rest with me. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. How many here have heard me say that before? Yeah, that's my life verse. How many have heard her say it now? <laughs> that's great, I was standing up here a number of years ago, dealing with something, have read this scripture over and over, and it's like God had this great smackdown 
right in front of you a while back with this particular verse. God will fight for you, Carrie. You just need to be still. Because my life is like, go, 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 be involved, do this, do that. And just the stillness of surrender and being with the Lord. So I share that with you. You're going to hear it from me again. The Lord will fight for you too. You only need to be still. Amen. It's back to the story. The Lord tells Moses to raise his staff and stretch out his hand over the sea to divide the water so the Israelites can go through on dry land. Many of you are probably familiar with this story. Well-known story. You've seen it probably in movies, heard it. Well-known story. And, and Moses does just as God tells him. Raises his staff, raises his hand, and the seas part. And the Hebrew people do, in fact, cross, not in the water, but on the dry land of the parted seas. And God tells Moses, then they go to the other side, and again raise his hand so that those seas would come back together which they do over top of the Egyptians and their chariots. And in fact, they never do see those Egyptians again because not a one of them survived that day. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. They put their trust in the Lord. That's great, isn't it? For now until the next challenge, and it wasn't long in coming. And once again, these newly freed people then would long for the comforts of slavery over the challenges of freedom, or so they thought. And once again, God is more concerned with their character than their comfort, more concerned with their holiness than their happiness. Say this way, character, not comfort. Character, character not, not comfort. comfort. Holiness, not happiness. Holiness, Holiness not, not happiness. happiness. I would encourage you to make them a part of your being. I mean, to remember God is more interested in your holiness, not happiness. Gosh, Lord, I'm not very happy. Yeah, but I'm making you more holy. Gosh, I'm, I'm kind of uncomfortable. Yep, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing about character. Keep that in mind. For the Hebrew people continued for another 40 years in the desert. 40 years. But it's just like us. These people were slow to trust the Lord, and they need to be reminded over and over and over again that God will watch over them and take care of them, that the Lord of all creation loves them just as He loves us, just as He loves you and He loves me, just as we need to be reminded over and over and over again as God gets closer and closer, helps us get closer and closer to being the people that God created us to be in the first place. And throughout this journey in the desert, God helped his people get ever closer to him, ever closer in character to who they needed to be for the challenges that they would face, challenges even they would face once they even entered the promised land more challenges than he was preparing them for the now and in the future then. He was getting them ready. The million-dollar question we ask every week, how about you? How do you relate to all this that we're, we're talking about today? Do you know that God has a purpose and a plan for your life? You were not uh, born by accident. God designed you and desired you and wants that relationship with you. We were made to thrive. 
with God. We were made to thrive as a people of God. It's in the Bible. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Say it with me. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. But in order for those plans to, to come about, God has some work to do, work to do in each of us. And, and, and since God's goal is character, not comfort, holiness, not happiness, sometimes we wonder, what's going on, Lord? We might wonder if we can take all this character building <laughs> that God has in store for us. And the bottom line is we can. We can. We can take it. We just need to lean on God, lean on the love of the Father, the saving grace of the Son, the power of God's Holy Spirit. We just need to say, Lord, less of me, more of you. You just need to know that God loves you. And you need to know that, not just lip service. You know, as kids we sing, Jesus loves me. It's easy to sing, isn't it? It's easy to say, God loves me, God. But do we really believe it in our heart, especially when we think of all those things we've done? Especially when we think of all the ways that we've hurt others and we've hurt God. All the ways we've separated and pushed God away. How can you possibly love me, Lord, when you know who I am? And yet God loves you just like you are, loves me just like I am, but too much to leave me there. You know, ever since Adam and Eve took a bite of a piece of fruit, the world's been a broken place, separated from God. And we are broken as a part of that, separated from God. And the challenge with our brokenness, we can't unbreak ourselves. We can't heal our brokenness. We're not that good. That's why we call God the great physician, the great healer. God's the one that can heal that brokenness, and he does it through his son, Jesus the Christ. If you want to know how much God loves you, he loves you this much. This much represents Christ on the cross. Loves you enough to give you his only son, to allow him to be sacrificed, die, hung on a cross, dead, buried, resurrected, ascended to heaven, live on the right hand of God the Father Almighty through all eternity so that you and I might get to live with God the Father through all eternity. If we didn't live in a broken world, we wouldn't need Christ, but we do. We live in a broken world, and we do need Christ. And, and you may say, well, I'm doing okay. I know Christ. I have a personal relationship with him. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. There's still some brokenness in your life, I guarantee you. And you need to still be reaching out and drawing Christ in and being open to his saving grace in your life. Heard an interesting uh, thing about forgiveness the other day. You know, forgiveness is all about the future because it can't change the past. Forgiveness changes the future. It can't change the past. And so maybe you're sitting here today thinking about your past. You've got to let that go. Look toward the future. And maybe this whole Jesus thing is brand new to you. I just talked to you about those who've been walking. Maybe you say, I don't even know who this Jesus guy is. That's okay. He knows who you are. But what it's important to realize is 
We can't save ourselves. We can't heal ourselves. And until we're healed, we can't live through eternity with the Father. We'll be separated from God through eternity until we're healed. And that healing only comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe say, again, I don't know who Jesus is. That's okay. It's a real simple thing. Open your arms. Say, here I am, Lord. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I can't save myself from what I understand. You're the one who can save me. Come into my life. You might not even know what that means. That's okay. Christ does. He'll step in. And it'll be the first step toward a never-growing relationship. You know, none of our relationships is 100% up front. It's a slow-growing thing, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year. And we're ever on that road to getting closer and closer to being the person God intended when God first thought of us so long ago. And that only comes through getting ever closer to Jesus Christ. So you who've been rocking with Jesus for a long time, keep walking, keep praying, keep saying, Lord, I need you. And you guys who, this is a whole brand new thing, I'd encourage you, open your arms today, say, Lord, I need you. I don't even know, I'm sure who I know who you are, but I need you. I can't save myself. Come up to the steps and pray. God loves it when we're on our knees. Pray from your seat. Mike and Marie, you ready to do some praying today? Amen. Amen. They'd love to just walk you through that prayer, Lord. I can't save myself. I need you. Please come into my life. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's believe it. Let's live it. Let's pray. Holy God, <laughs> comfort not, I mean, character not comfort. Holiness not happiness. That's tough sometimes to swallow, but God, I, I just thank you and praise you that that's what's important that your goal is to draw us ever closer to you, ever closer to the person you had in mind when you first thought of us. God, please help us to look to you and your saving grace through Jesus Christ and the power you offer through your Holy Spirit. Lord, we praise you and glorify your holy name. All Connection Church said, amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church.